I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. If you have a laser device for training and you want to take it to the next level, or if you're looking to get into using a laser device for training, check out the products at laserapp.com. L-A-S-R-A-P-P.com. You can use code CSP2021 for 15% off the items you've selected. And thanks for checking them out. So I guess that ha- that's how it allows you to kind of do it part-time. Yeah, well, and my, my business model is a little different, right? I I learned, so it was six years ago when I left Remington, and I, wrote, I published my first book, and I realized then, it was when it finally hit me, that anyone can find a way to make, make money while they're working. The trick was to find a way to make money when I'm not working. And um, from then on out, I've been aggressively only pursuing projects and work that allows me to make income after I'm done working on it. So, you know, Rocket FFL, for example, all those courses that help people get their FFL and how to learn how to be compliant with the ATF and all that. I spend a lot of time putting together the website and the courses and the articles and the marketing and everything for that. But I knew that the second I was done with that project, I said, okay, those videos are published. I could go work on project number two and project number one was going to be paying me in the background or like books. I put a lot of time and energy into writing a book. So I'm still working, but I'm not working for that hour. I'm working for tomorrow's hour, if that makes sense. Yes. And so when I did that, I realized as a lawyer, I don't want to do that anymore either. I charge an obnoxious amount per hour, but I still got to work that hour. And so I decided a better business model was to stop doing that and instead just be more of a consultant. So I charge a flat fee to these bigger companies and it just makes me available. And if they have a pro the, the rule is I charge it annually and if they can afford it, great. And if they have a problem, they call me and I fix it. I don't bill them. I don't track my hours. I don't do anything. I just get to be the fixer. So oh, wow. a shipment of machine guns gets stuck in Egypt because they got a problem with customs or import and they're panicking. They call me and I jump in and help out for a couple of days. And then when the problem's solved, I go back to my, my day. You go back to looking at the snow in Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Huggy. I was going to say that uh, the fixer is the perfect word. I mean, that is just that this perfect. Um, I I will have to say I'm going to I'm going to plug your uh, your rocket F uh, rocket FFL because I'm telling you if anybody our listeners out there that are listening to us I if you're ever thinking about getting your FFL um, go to Rocket FFL. I'm telling you it's a very informative. Uh, website. He does, Ryan, you just do an amazing, amazing job Thanks. on that, uh, making people feel, especially me, you know, feel comfortable uh, going through it. So if you, if anybody that's listening, you ever wanted to really uh, get into that or try it, um, you definitely have to uh, go to Rocket FFL and uh, check it out. Uh, I, I just, it, he takes he makes you feel comfortable so thank you very much for doing that and i'm telling you it's awesome. well thanks chris um i'm glad you brought that up because that not only because it's a plug i like business yeah it, it <laughs> funds my channel. but i'm saying i'm glad you brought it up that way because if i could describe myself someday and looking back you know what would i want to be known for i really enjoy teaching so much that i would want to be known for making things that otherwise seemed complicated, simple and doable. And so that's where I get from, if I'm trying to give someone motivation, even if the fail fast thing, you know, don't panic if it's the wrong answer, find out it's the wrong answer now and move on to the next one. 
Um, if it's I'm speaking somewhere, you know, doing a public speaking thing. If I'm teaching an actual class, I teach university classes also. If I'm teaching in a book or videos or Rocket FFL, I try to take that approach of I'm not the coolest guy ever. I mean, heck, I just told you I had to fight every day to be mediocre, you know, when I was in the military. And that's different. I think so many firearms instructors out there that have a good pedigree on paper just mistakenly beat their chest about how awesome they are and about how tough it is what they do and how you may never be able to do it because they're just so cool. And I saw that and I took the exact opposite approach for my, like my first book. And I think that's why people like it is I said, Hey, it's sounds complicated. It's not, it's actually kind of easy. Here's the basics. Let's focus on these. Yes. Technically the spin of the earth will affect your bullet at long enough distances, but you shouldn't ever bring that up to me until you can do X, Y, and Z. You're here to learn to shoot basics. Let's just focus on what you can control. I, I, that's how I do it. I break it down simply, and I think for Rocket FFL, Chris, that's what I tried to do too, is to say, hey, I know it's overwhelming. You don't need me. I mean, my number one article on that website is all this information I give up for free on the website is how to get your FFL. I just tell you right there for free how to do it. And at the bottom of the article, I say, you don't need me. Thousands of people get their FFL without me. You don't need it at all. But... If you'd like a firearms attorney to be here holding your hand through the process and make sure you did it right, sign up. And it's doable. So I, I, I appreciate you say that. That means a lot because that's, that's kind of my goal. I, I'm telling you, I wish I had you as a professor when I was in college because I would have definitely, uh, definitely gone to your classes every day. I wouldn't have been like, you know, going like, oh, God, I really don't feel like going to this class today. <laughs> but I, I'm telling you, again, if all our listeners out there, he you make it feel so comfortable i I love how you take everybody through step by step by step you you can't go wrong and so if you're if you want to get your ffl go to uh, rocket ffl i'm telling you it will walk you through the steps you will have no issues with it so thanks man true story <clears throat> now did you make it to shot show this year i did i wasn't gonna go and at the last minute decided, ah, uh, what the heck, I'll go. I made it. Okay. Um, did you get to look at anything fun and exciting? Not really. Uh, so the NSSF no? asked me to walk around and do a show and tell with their camera crew and just kind of show like okay. the three things I, I found that I liked and wanted to talk about. Just one, so many people weren't there, right? So I wanted yeah. to go see like the Springfield Hellion, for example, their new bullpup. They weren't even there. Booth was empty. You know, I wanted to yep. see some of these other things. People weren't there because of COVID or things like that. Um, and it was the, apparently they had the more attendees they've ever had. Not attendees. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, presenters or booths. They had more booths, yeah. more exhibitors, not attendees, more exhibitors than they've ever yeah. had, which is great. But I think it's because, you know, some other ones by canceling left room for them. But a lot of the big names weren't there. It was noticeable that these big names weren't there, but it was still really good to see the show. And if anything, it gave room to have conversations. I heard from some of the exhibitors there, they liked it better because, you know, I was at the Barrett booth, for example, and one of the reps there at Barrett said, oh, this show's been the best because the only people that are coming to the booth are there to talk business. They don't have 100 tire kickers going, hey, can I touch the gun? Right. While they're waiting for the 101st person, which is actually a buyer for the military, you know, or something to actually do business. So they got a bunch of business done. And so I decided for the show and tell to show off smaller companies because everyone goes to the bigger companies anyway. So um, found a really cool tiny suppressor from uh, Wyoming Arms. I'd shot the prototype a few years ago. Never knew if it was going to come to fruition or not, but it's like this little, I think it's four inches long and four ounces 
about as big around as my thumb. I mean, it's just, wow. it looks like nothing. It looks like the tiniest 22 can you've ever seen. And it was 6.5 Creedmoor. And the prototype I shot, it was meant to be a hunting silencer and that just enough to be ear safe. And so I shot it a couple times and went, oh yeah, that's loud, but my ears aren't ringing. And I know that's just barely under the limit of hearing safe. Hearing safe, that's it. And a lot of the reason, apparently, I was on an AR-10, 6.5 Creedmoor in an AR-10. And a lot of that noise on an AR-10 is coming out of the bolt, out of the ejection port. So the better suppressor you have, the more back pressure, the more that bolt comes back, the more gases come out, the more noise comes out. And it's a big, heavy can off the front of the gun, and it's expensive. You know, it's you're looking easily at $1,000 or more for a good rifle can. And I think his full MSRP is 350 or something on these cans. So depending on what it actually gets to the real street price, something about, don't quote me on the number, but it's, it's inexpensive enough that it's only adding a couple inches of length to your barrel, it's lightweight, and it protects your hearing. I'm all about it. I can't wait to snag one. So I showed them off. I thought that was kind of neat. Um, showed off decibel earplugs again because I really like them. The remoldable custom earplugs. They're just mm-hmm. so inexpensive. There's no reason not to have them for everyone in your family, in my opinion. Color code them and everyone gets their own color. And um, who was it? Uh, oh, I can picture the logo. It's an A. They make, well, I can't believe I can't think of the name. <laughs> they make AR-15 parts. They make premium kind of AR-15 handguards and parts. Who is that? Chris? Arrow. Uh, Arrow Precision. Arrow, yep. Arrow Precision. Arrow wow, Precision. thank you. I can yeah. picture the A. So Arrow <laughs> Precision came out with a bolt gun. And I was just walking oh. by and one of the guys hollered out my name. He's like, Ryan, you got to come see this. Okay. And I was looking at their chassis that they came out with. I said, oh, it's really neat. That's cool. Oh, I like that feature. And then they started saying some features that applied to the action. And I remember saying, well, to be fair, that's not your chassis. That's more of the action responsible for that. You know, no, it's our action too. And I looked closer and it was their action and their barrels and their everything. And I thought that was just super cool. So I can't wait to get one of their full bolt guns to try out. Cause I think they did a lot of things right on it. Um, like I mentioned before, I like custom bolt actions for like a premium setup and the price point for theirs and the features, I, I'd be very tempted pending me testing it out and putting it through its paces <laughs> based on what I saw. I'd be tempted to get one of theirs because you can get a premium, amazing action for less than these other ones, you know, from someone like Aero Precision. So it's slightly mass produced, slightly custom. A hybrid. Cool. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's okay. a factory custom. How about that? There you go. Wow. That is pretty interesting. Did you, did you make it to the Canic booth at all? No, I didn't. What what was new from them? Um, they came out with their rival. So it's uh, they took, well, it's a it's a new pistol altogether. I can't say they took anything, but they it's a five inch barrel, whereas their SFX was a five point two. The serrations on the slide are way more aggressive. Yeah, I see. It. I'm just looking up a picture right now. So I mean, it's. E- it's what a lot of manufacturers do. No criticism to them, but it's the same gun, just with some different five-inch well, barrel, a little nicer trigger, nicer serrations, flared magwell, it looks like. Yeah, they also, but they did change the grip, too. So you have a higher okay. beaver tail, so you can get a higher grip on the gun. Okay. Um, and their black version actually comes with five slides for optics, irons the irons are are adjustable which is different than most like from the factory they're adjustable and the fifth optic slide is a co-witnessed for a micro red dot 
Oh, that's really cool. I'm glad people are starting to do that. Yeah, so they they did make some actual changes, and then they added some things. Gotcha. So, I mean, it's still an SF X whatever line. It's just the rival version of that line. That yeah. Way to say but, it? Yeah. Yeah, the barrels cool. fluted, some other stuff. So. That's cool. It looks aggressive. I'm looking at the picture right now. It is. It looks cool. Yeah, I got to, I played around with it quite a bit. And the nice thing about the serrations are they're, they're deep and wide, so you get a good grip on it, but they're mm-hmm. not sharp at all. Oh, you're so they're, agreed, yeah. Yeah, they're rounded enough that they don't bite your hand, but they're also not so rounded enough that you would slip. That so there's sense, a, yeah. a good medium in there. So was, I, was, I was very impressed with it. That's cool. Looks like a double undercut trigger guard, things like that too. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Be, yeah. So they, they made neat, a neat gun to, you know, go into like what you guys do, you know, USPSA type shooting. Yeah. And they, I guess they did that too, because now the, the older SFX with that 5.2 inch barrel was not Ipsic. Um, it, 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 it what do I want to say? It valid for Ipsic competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the barrel was longer than five inches, so by cutting it back, now it's they made it uh, capable to shoot Ipsic, That's USPSA, cool. IDPA, whatever you want to shoot. I'm glad so, people are thinking about that for the use of their gun. So remember, I said it depends when people ask what my favorite gun is. I'm like, yeah. well, it depends. You know, if I like to shoot Ipsic, I can't be the 5.2 inch barrel, even though I love that gun. So for what use are we talking right. here? You know, I remember when Daniel Defense came out with their Delta Five, I think they call it their bolt action rifle. I, I. I Hate's a strong word, but I think that thing was just a mess in all directions. Nice people. Um, I bet great engineers. I bet everything. But that gun just came out what a bolt action designed by committee would be for me. And so I, I kind of mm. gave it. I kind of put it through the ringer on Gun University. I'm like, hey, guys, it's really accurate. I'll give it that. But these five you know, major things here, I don't think someone really thought through. And one of the things they were advertising in their marketing was PRS. You know, this is going to be great for PRS. And I mean, right on the page, they say, you know, the PRS competitions and things like that. I'm like, uh, the MSRP was 2200 and the rules for the production class where it can't have an MSRP higher than 2000 Right. And there's a couple other things. I'm like, I'm glad to see Koenig doing that because that means somebody's thinking about not just how do we make a product, but how do we make a product that fits a particular need or a use for people? I think that people should right. start with that. So what gun should I get, Ryan? I don't know. What's it for? And I'll sometimes sarcastically ask that person back, what car should I get? And they go, what do you mean? I said, what car should I get? I said, wouldn't you like to know if I need to haul lumber first? Because if I need to haul lumber, right. I should probably get a pickup truck. What's the or purpose? If, or if yeah. I want a commuter car with the best gas mileage, I should probably get a Prius. By the way, both of those are horrible at each other's jobs. So I can't just ask you, what car should I get? You got to know for what purpose. And I think that's the way people say, what gun should I get? They, they leave that out. And I'm so glad to see, good job, Koenig. You know, not just here's a gun, but what's the purpose? Okay, somebody wants a, a production gun that's not probably off the charts cost like a race gun. Right. That can, they could use for home defense if they wanted to. They could also use it to shoot their weekend IPSC matches. And then they designed the gun for that purpose. That's really smart. Yeah, pretty much that that dark side version pretty much covers everything from carry to competition. So that's yeah. awesome. Good for them. Yeah, smart move. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So we talked. You talked about your long range shooting handbook, but mm-hmm. you've also written another book, a uh, kids' gun safety book. Correct. That's true. Mm-hmm. 
there's only one you. Yep. I think there's is the only name one of it. you. Yeah. So how, what made you come up with that and decide to uh, write that book? Well, um, it was the same kind of thing that made me do Mayday Safety. It was, I was tired of everyone in the gun industry saying what won't work in responses to firearms accidents or mass shootings or things like that. You know, I'd, I'd go on Fox News, I'd go on Tucker's show and say, gun control won't work. And here's all the reasons why it won't work. And I even bothered myself when I would end the statement with, so there, I never said what would work, right? Mm. No one ever seems to say what does work. You know, banning guns won't work. Well, if we were having an honest discussion sitting around with a glass of whiskey in our hands, the next question that would be invited is, okay, then what would work? And we never seemed to get to that. And so I said, well, I want to tr try and do something that tries to work. So even though you didn't ask Mayday Safety, that's why I made Mayday Safety. I made software and an app. There's two different parts to it that helps respond to emergencies and helps try and prevent school shootings. That's why I did that. The child safety book is the same reason. You know, don't, don't leave your gun laying around for kids. Don't do this. Don't do that. I thought, well, the people that need to be educated about this aren't as much the kids as the parents, in my opinion, because they're the ones Agreed. that are, you know, leaving guns around or allowing access to kids or saying stupid things like, oh, don't worry, it's not loaded. So I thought, well, how, how am I going to get the message to the parents? Well, I'm going to get the message to the parents through the kid because it's kind of like how sales in the firearms industry work. It used to drive me nuts at Remington and see how these companies do it. They have these sales reps and things go out, go to Joe Bob's gun shop and say, hey, Joe Bob, I, we want you to buy five more 870s. And if you buy five more 870s, we'll throw in this for free or we'll give you this promotion. And it drove me nuts because I'm convinced the firearms industry is not driven by the manufacturers. It's driven by the consumer. You want to know how to get Joe Bob to order five more 870s? Send five consumers into his store and buy the five 870s he's got on the wall already. Then he's going to order five more 870s. So I thought we should always focus more on the consumer to get them to go in and buy the 870 in the first place, not get Joe Bob to order more. And the same thing with the kids. The kids telling the parent, because I'm a parent, I know my kids get to ask what book they want to read read at night. And if I could make it a sneaky gun safety book, so the first 90% of the book has nothing to do with gun safety, the first 90% of the book is just a whole bunch of lovey-feely, I love you, mistakes happen, it's okay. And if the kid ever could ask to read that book, then I was going to use the kids to force the parents to learn about good gun safety and good gun storage, and that was the plan. Okay. Wow. Very interesting. All right. I'm going to jump in real quick um, because I'm just going to say this. I'm a country boy. I grew up in the country and everything like that. Uh, it is so interesting that, you know, all my friends that live out in West Virginia and everything like that, I just, you know, I, I was taught gun safety at, at a young age, you know, and never had an issue, never had a problem with it, you know, and all my, all my friends, we all grew up around guns, but we knew what we can and cannot do and 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 it goes back to what you said the parents taught us you know about gun safety my dad he was he's a retired dc policeman you know for 25 years and u.s marshal you know he he instilled that you know of gun safety and everything like that and i just i looked at it like you know what I, I taught my daughter the same thing. I'm like, this is a gun, you know, the whole, the whole thing, the safety aspect of it. And she has no issue. So I just have to say that, you know, it, like you said, it goes back to the parents um, and teaching. So 
I mean, that's just my opinion, though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it definitely starts with the parents and goes from there. So let's talk about the Mayday Safety app. What is that specifically, and why? what was the purpose? Why did you create it? Well, I, I and all the things I do now for entrepreneur stuff I do online, like for Rocket Off of Hell or Gun University or things like that, I think I have a unique look at marketing somehow and a unique look at trying to solve problems with a product or a service. And I was looking at school shootings because we were talking about them and church shootings and things like that. And again, knowing gun banning guns wouldn't work, and I asked, well, what will work? I realized that the problem, in my opinion, is not the bad guy with a gun in these shootings, necessarily. The problem was the chaos and confusion while it was happening, that no one knew what to do. No one knew what room to go to. No one knew how to get the word out to lock down. No one knew how to communicate to the police. The police didn't know how to communicate to the people. So looking at like the Newtown shooting, for example, you know, the first few people that were shot were at the PA microphone trying to get the word out to the school to lock down. Oh, wow. So that wasn't working. And then once you did get the lockdown message out, how do you know that everyone got the message? How do you know they actually locked it down? How do you know which rooms have casualties? How do the police know which rooms to go to first? You know, the um, Parkland shooter was long gone while the police were clearing the floors thinking he was in one of the classrooms. He was, he was already gone for 20 minutes. And they thought he was in one of the classrooms. They were clearing the room looking for him. And he was across the street having food, you know, was eating at McDonald's or something. Yeah. So I realized it was the chaos and confusion that was the problem. And if I could maybe help solve that chaos and confusion. So I made a software company that effectively used the technology that you see from TV shows and movies and made it real. You know, in the TV shows and movies, you always see the tactical operations center is this really dark room and they see all the blue dots on the screen of where everyone's going, where the bad guys are. And you know, the really cool graphic displays of the building. So they know what hallways are in. And I said, let's try to make that. So we did. So we made software that schools and law enforcement and hospitals and businesses and homes and families can use that has an app as a component and the app is free. Now I sold the company, so I'm still listed as the developer oh. in the app store, but I, I sold it last year um, to, a, to a much bigger company because I think we made the coolest product ever that I couldn't figure out how to sell. And I'd go into every time we'd go to sell this, everyone would be on board, 100%, we agree this is the best thing ever. And then I had to figure out the school budget cycle and grant cycle and two years from now they might get the money for it. Well, I'm not gonna not give them the software for two years and just pray a shooting doesn't happen and know that I could have helped them if it was only for free. So I'd give everyone the software to work on the grants in the background and then it was the next bureaucratic nightmare and I realized real quick, I'm the right guy to have gotten it where it is, to give birth to it, to invent it, to get it working. I am not the right guy to run an actual software company. So I thought it'd be better to sell to software. But yeah, so I'd go into meetings with teachers. So I'd talk to a school district or talk to a state. We, we got entire states to buy it. So I'd go to a state or all the you know stakeholders. And if there was a teacher there, I'd pick on them a little bit, maybe in my presentation. I'd say, okay, you, what's your name? Mary, great, Mary. Let's say you're coming back from lunch. And as you're getting out of your car, walking back to the building, between you and the front office is someone with a gun approaching the school. What do you do? And they'd say, well, I'd... I'd I'd, I'd call the school. I'd, I'd, I'd let them know there's a shooter. All right. How would you let them know? I'd call them. With what phone? With my cell phone. Where's your cell phone? And sometimes they wouldn't even have it on them. I said, well, that's not going to work. And if they did have oh, it on wow. them, I'd say, can you pull your cell phone out for me, please? Okay. Can you please call the front office? They say, well, 
yeah. I said, do you have the front office's phone number on your phone or do you need to Google it? And she's like, I need to Google it because what teacher calls the front office mainline number? They don't. Exactly. Oh, so now you're Googling the front office number. Okay. And on the screen behind me, I'd have a dot moving closer and closer to the school every time I hit the space bar. I say, like, okay, now let's say, who are you calling in the front office? Suzanne. Oh, Suzanne's the front office lady. Gotcha. But remember, it's lunch. Is Suzanne at lunch? Who answers the phone? Does she answer? Let's just give you the benefit of the doubt and say Suzanne answers. What are you going to tell Suzanne? There's a shooter with a gun. Okay. What does Suzanne do now? And I'd look around the room. They'd all realize real quick how unprepared they were. I'm like, what's, what's Suzanne going to do? She's going to tell the, what's the plan? She tells the principal. Okay. Where's the principal? Principal in the cafeteria? Can the principal hear over the radio with all the noise in the cafeteria? Principal's in the office. Okay. What does the principal do now? Tells the school to lock down. Great. How do they tell the school to lock down? PA speaker. And that's when I bring out the first few people that died were at the PA microphone. What do we do now? And I just, and I'd say, okay, great. They got the message out. Which classrooms got locked down? Which classrooms didn't? Who needs help? Who doesn't? And I'd ask all those questions and they'd all realize, oh crap, this is scary. I'd say, all right, let's try this again. And I'd hand, I'd come with a Pelican case with a bunch of iPhones in it already with the app already installed. I have the okay. fake school stuff. I'm like, all right, on the back, I would say teacher number one. I'm like, all right, Mary, you're teacher number one. All right, you can be Suzanne. You can be the principal. You can be the whatever. Let's start this whole thing over again. Mary, you come back from lunch. You see a student, <laughs> someone between you and the office, someone with a gun walking towards the school. What do you do? I said, open the Mayday Safety app, and there's a giant red button. I said, tap it three times for me, please. And she taps it three times, and everyone's phones go off like the Amber Alert siren. And then I show, wow. on the, uh, show up on the screen, and on the screen, a map of the school pops up, and every classroom's there. And everyone's status turns gray. And everyone on their phone now looks, and it says, a big message pops up over everything. says, are you locked down and safe, yes or no? I'm like, guys, answer however you want. And as they answer instantaneously, they turn into red or green dots on the map. I said, look at that. There's wow. a sea of green. Everyone's safe. But look, right over there in the corner in Building 5, that's where the danger is. And then now law enforcement shows up and I pick up an iPad and I'd say, this is the, app, the iPad that everyone at the sheriff's office can have. So they can see the school shootings happening before you even called 911. Because by the way, I forgot to ask in that last scenario, who called 911 in all this chaos, <laughs> right? So now they see the school shootings happening. Now there's no more confusion where building five is. They can see where the problems are. And then in Newtown, the police were ripping their patches off and sticking one of the doors saying, we're the police, you can open the door and come out. I'd say, like, for example, now watch this. The iPad, I can say, room 203, you can evacuate. And the message only goes to the teachers for room 203. So we made that, and everyone loved it, and it worked. And it was two years <laughs> and a lot of money later. I'm so glad we sold it to a company that I think is going to take it to the next level and, and move on. Okay. So the app is free. If you want the app, go use it for free on us worldwide. You hit that button, everyone in your family gets an immediate pin of your location and an alert that you need help. So oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, use it. Okay. <clears throat> so we've talked about uh, you talked about Gun University a little bit. Um, I like the fact that, like you said, they're unlike other magazines, online sites, whatever that might be influenced by sponsors, mm -hmm. ads, things like that. You are not. So you just give your personal makes uh, me unpopular opinion. sometimes, but. You know what? The truth does that. It's, like when 30 Super Carry came out in the beginning of January. Uh, and I thought, that's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and then the marketing of it was, they actually said, Federal actually said, quote, on their marketing, the single greatest advancement in self-defense history. Not sharp mm. sticks, not knives, <laughs> not guns, the 30 Super Carry. And I said, all right, 
I'm going to take up the task on this because that's not, I don't want to see federal fail. I want to see them succeed. There's a lot of great people there. I have friends that work there, right? I, I want to see the industry get better. I want to see advancement. I don't want to just knock people down to knock them down, but I do want to take the chance whenever it happens to make sure I get the word out there that lets people know they can trust Gun University. Because in, in me doing a takedown of that, whether people want to believe me or not, or agree with me or not, at least it's one more stake in the ground that says, hey, I'm going to tell you like it is. And next time when I heap praise on like the 300 PRC, which I just cannot get enough of, you can trust me because I'm not just saying it's the greatest thing because it's new. Look at this new thing came out. I'm giving you all the reasons why I don't like it and why I think it's a bad round and why I think it was a mistake to come out with it now and why I think it should be avoided. So now trust me on that one or maybe don't, but at least um, I even put in the article, I said, this is going to be such, this is such a bad idea in my opinion that I'm going to use this as a watermark. This is going to be my benchmark test. I'm going to watch and see who says this is the greatest thing ever. Because everyone who says it's the greatest thing ever has now lost credibility in my book. I'm sorry. It's not. It can't be. And so I put that in the article. I said, go ahead and go watch. Go see anyone who says it's a great thing. I guarantee they're getting paid somehow. And so far, every blog that says it's the best thing ever, you look right in the sidebar, there's the big advertisement for federal. So... There you go. And maybe I'm wrong. You know what? I'm going to put this out there now on your podcast. I hope I'm wrong. I hope it's the next best thing. I hope it takes off. And I hope it allows for more capacity and more everything. Because how wonderful would that be? Right? But the criticism I get on that one for being negative, even though it hasn't hit the market yet, I try to counter with, well, how come you can be positive then if it hasn't hit the market yet? If you're allowed to be positive, I'm allowed to be negative. So that's what we do over at Gun University. I try to make more friends than enemies, but apparently I make some enemies too. It's going to happen. But at least you're being honest. You can sleep at night. So Yeah, and, and I don't have – Gun University doesn't you know, pay the bills that way for, for marketing, and it's fun for me. And it's good – this is like an example when I brought it up. I, I won't sell you guys out, but I can tell people's faces when I bring up that cartridge. is just an example. Most gun guys I talk to – may not be as against it as me but they might just wonder why they don't they don't get it those are the conversations i have but in public when you go look on forums you go look on social media or you go look on all these you know gun magazines or gun blogs it's the greatest thing ever it's 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 the best new thing Mm -hmm. and everyone's got to do it and my problem is hey there's going to be a lady for example that's walking into a gun store for her first time that knows nothing about guns and is going to ask what she should get and she might be believe that stuff and the problem is we're going to give her a Smith & Wesson shield with a new cartridge that shoots at 75,000 PSI. That is way more pressure than even a 10 millimeter proof round. Yeah. Out of a Smith & Wesson shield, which I'm all for budget guns, but I don't know if I want to, <laughs> I don't want to touch off a 75,000 PSI cartridge in that gun. Right. And she's going to get that. And she's never going to find ammo for training. She's never going to find ammo for actually using for self-defense. And Mm -hmm. in my opinion, we set her up to fail. So that's my problem with it. It's not that it's a new cartridge. It's just the way it is marketed. Let's just market it as a new option and let's try it. Because I don't mind even her having the Smith & Wesson Shield. That's a great gun for people getting into shooting. Fine, go and get it. But doing steering her anywhere but just 9 mil, in my opinion, is a disservice to teaching a new shooter how to get into shoot. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Now, did you get a chance to actually shoot it? No. Because, okay, I didn't think so. I don't um, want to. I, I'm not a... And the I, well, criticism I'm a, I have of people, like, you haven't even shot it yet. I'm like, you tell me one thing on my list of criticisms, my opinion would change when I pulled the trigger. Yeah, so what did yeah, you think about um, it? Could you tell the difference between that and 9mm? Uh, I th- 
I, I think, I think you might with the recoil just because of the PSI, the pressure. Um, but I, I don't see any benefit over a nine mil. I don't. I, I see a bit. I'll actually go the other way now. This is the lawyer in me. I'll okay. argue both sides. I do see a benefit over nine mil. <laughs> the benefit okay. is higher capacity. You can fit more rounds in the same size How many? gun. Two, they say two more for 10 rounds. In a 10-round <laughs> okay. gun, you can fit 12 rounds. Well, I'm, just to play devil's advocate here, to, be, to show that I can be somewhat impartial, would, if you offered me a gun, I carry a 365 every day. A P365 is okay. my daily carry. If you said, hey, Ryan, same size, do you want the one that holds 10 rounds or 12 rounds? The 12 rounds, please. If it's the same size, every time I will choose the 12-round over the 10-rounder. Why wouldn't I? If it's the same size, same concealability, same everything, mm. yes, I will take more well, rounds. I, okay. Uh, I mean, I'm, let's just I'm say the... let's just say they are they made a twelve rounder. Let's say that was the standard is the twelve round size, but they happen to make a reduced capacity ten round one, even though it was the same outside footprint. Which one would I prefer to carry? Well, I would personally, I would prefer to carry the twelve rounder, unless it was bigger and harder to conceal or something. But if it was the same size, same model, same everything, two more extra rounds, heck yeah, I'll take those, please. Um, so that I get the, the benefit of the 30 super carry is the more capacity. I just don't think that even though it has that benefit, that all the downsides are outweighed. Yeah. But, and, but I also look at it as we're not, we can't compare it like that because it's a different caliber. So it's like, I had an XD, I had a 45 at one point, then I had a 40 mm -hmm. and then I switched up guns completely. And I went to a nine. Every time I changed the caliber, I got more. Yeah. in my magazine so right and that's what okay. i mean by the other sides the capacity if yeah. you just asked for capacity yes it wins on capacity but i think it loses out on everything else like we're talking about it's a new mm -hmm. caliber which means smaller holes smaller diameter so the holes of the bad guy are smaller now if i took just that argument then i would look at 45 as only right so right. i can't just look right. at that by itself Correct. the energy is less if i can't just look at the energy argument though or else i'd be killing a 10 mil right? Uh, you know, the, the availability. So each one of those we look at in a vacuum might fail or, but I put them all together. Yeah. I get two more rounds capacity, but in exchange for that, that's my problem. I get smaller holes in bad guys. I get less energy. I get less available ammo. I get yes. a very high pressure round that actually, even by federal zone marketing expands less their HST hollow points and 30 super carry expand less than their 380. So then that makes no sense. Because why not just go with a 380 in a shield? Correct. It then invites the question, what is the purpose? Remember, we went back kind of yeah. full circle to what's the purpose of this? <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the purpose? And <laughs> they, their marketing seems to say it bridges the gap between 380 and 9mm. I didn't know there was a gap there. And again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope this thing takes off and I wish them the best and I hope it becomes so popular someday. But as of today, I can't see a reason to ever recommend it over a nine mil because nine mil is just way more plentiful worldwide to yes. shoot. And everyone I've heard shoot it. This is one of the reasons I don't want to shoot it is they say they either can't tell the difference in recoil at all or the recoil snappier, which now tells me, cause a lot of the arguments out there too is, well, it might be better for newer, weaker shooters. Not if the recoil is the same, not if it's snappier. Right. If anything, yeah, for sure. the best thing for that shooter for the same recoil would be more practice. And you're going to get a heck of a lot more practice with nine mil. So anyway, enough about yeah. it. I didn't mean to go off on that one. I was just trying to show that no. that's what Gun University does is we look at it this way. And I, I think we might be the only article out there that doesn't say this is the best new thing ever that, that ever hit the market. That's not a, not a press release. And that's why we like it. And we hope 
again, we don't make money on advertising. You don't pay money to come to Gun University. Everything's free. Just come and come and learn if you want. If you don't, no hard feelings. Right. But I think you bring up a good point in general, which is I never recommend when people ask me, they're like, oh, they find out like you, they find out what you did. And they're like, oh, this guy's a gun expert. Well, maybe not. But, you know, what do you recommend? I never recommend a gun that has a unique caliber to it because I always add in one of the parts to the formula is being able to get ammunition. I mean, it's really a club if we you all, have no ammunition. We all should say more practice is better, yes? Yeah. Yeah, I think everyone needs more practice, including me. Yeah. Yeah, but but I mean, even then, you want to go hunting. If you have such a unique caliber that it's hard for you to find ammo for that gun, then why do you have the gun? You need to get a gun that's easier, that the ammo is more plentiful, that you can find easier than... like. like I would have never gone with a 6.5 Creed had it not become so mainstream that you can it find it pretty much anywhere. It took me a long time to come over to 6.5 Creed more. Heck, my book six years ago, I said, go with 308. I need to re- redo the book. <laughs> Even six years ago, I was like, nope, don't do 6.5 Creed more. 308 is too plentiful. It's too available. There's too much experience with it. Too easy to find everything. Right. And on one of John Lovell's Warrior Poet Society videos, I said why I finally went to 6.5 Creed more. I happened to be in Walmart, which I try to avoid. But when I was in a Walmart, I looked over at the ammo shelf, and there were three or four SKUs for 6.5 Creedmoor, and only two or three for 308. I went, oh, there's now more SKUs for 6.5 Creedmoor at Walmart. It's time to make the switch. And I think even then, that same year, is when they started um, loading belt-fed 6.5 Creedmoor, because a lot of special operations stuff was switching to 6.5 Creedmoor. Even machine guns, belt-fed machine guns was. Wow. I said, okay, now it's time to switch. So me being a long-range shooter, not until the last couple of years that I finally adopt it, I'm slow to adopt cartridges for a reason, and I'm glad. If I would have understood the benefits of 6.5 Creedmoor earlier, which I didn't, my fault, I would have had a bunch of guns in 260 Remington. Because 6.5 mm. Creedmoor and 260 Remington are the same thing, folks. They're the same dang thing. Right. I mean, there's a little bit of benefits to 6.5 Creedmoor, but they're, per, they're a rounding error of each other. Right? I'm, I'm glad that I don't have a whole bunch of Betamax players around my house. I'm glad I waited <laughs> to see the VHS one. You know, that's for old guys. Yes. So sometimes you got to wait, but then when 300 PRC came out, day one, before it came on the market, I was a raving fan of it. I understood its benefits. I understood what it did and why it was so magical. Um, I got to go shoot an elk with it before it even came out on the market. Hornady really hooked me up and let me have a couple boxes. I sent him back a picture. I actually sent it to Steve, Steve Hornady, a picture of the elk. I'm like, hey, hey, look at that first elk taken with a 300 PRC. Look at me. And they, they wrote back, because it was him and one of his engineers, uh, no, Ryan, we've already shot a bunch of elk with that. <laughs> Dang it. Nice try. Yeah. But, so I, I think I'm fair. That's a new cartridge that I think is the best thing ever. Some new cartridges I don't. I think we just need to be more honest as an industry because we need to be better stewards of getting new people into shooting. And getting new people into shooting is getting, giving them good advice like this. Like, don't chase the doodad piece of gear. Go yeah. chase getting better. Go spend money on training and ammo and get a basic gun now, right? Go learn how to be safe with a gun. Go do things like that. And sending people after a mythical new cartridge that's going to solve all these problems, but really, they're just, it's heck, I think shooting competition is one of the best ways to get good with a handgun. Ipsic is not self-defense. It's not at all. We know this. But a lot of the things we've learned about modern pistol shooting have come from competition because that's where you're shooting a gun fast, under stress, and trying to be accurate. I think it's wonderful. It's a great way to go, especially to a local, you know, weekend 
Ipsic match. So the more local it is, the better. You're going to get better at shooting your gun. You can't even use a 30 super carry in Ipsic. It's too small. You can't carry a, you cannot shoot a caliber that tiny in Ipsic. Right. Uh, so stop. We need to stop with this. Come out with new innovation. Wonderful. But stop leading these new shooters astray. If you're not buying a name brand nine mil as your first hand gun, I think somebody sent you down the wrong path. Don't disagree at all. Yeah. Not at all. So what is it about 300 PRC that you love so much? Well, I finally learned the magic six, five Creed more and the, where I backed off and where I said it's the same as 260 Remington is one of the magic things of 65 Creedmoor is the dimensions of the case in proportion to the neck length and proportion to the bullet. What that did is it allowed it to be accurate in almost every rifle. So it wasn't just a cartridge that what could be accurate in some rifles, the dimensions and the proportions of it allowed it to be so forgivingly accurate in any rifle you pick up in 65 Creedmoor is going to be able to shoot well. It's really pretty cool about that. Um, the 300 PRC, I think they should have called the 300 Creedmoor. It is dimensionally, don't get mad at me, ballisticians out there. I'm, I'm going to overstate this to oversimplify it. It is dimensionally, effectively, a bigger 6.5 Creedmoor. If you took a 6.5 Creedmoor and just made it bigger in every dimension and kept the proportions all the same, that's what 300 PRC is. So by calling it PRC, I think they they missed the boat on letting it show its connection to 6.5 Creedmoor. I think it's the big 6.5 Creedmoor. So if I want to shoot out to 1,200 yards, 6.5 Creedmoor. I want to shoot out to a mile, 300 PRC. I just wish they had the same family name because that's really all it is, is a bigger version of it. So it's incredibly accurate, incredibly efficient on powder burn, allows for modern advanced bullet designs, is very forgiving in one rifle to the next. And in a bolt action rifle that's sized for 300 Win Mag, which is just a normal magnum action, a long action, you're hitting at a mile. Where its comparison cartridges to me are like the 300 Normas and the 338 Normas and the 338 Lapuas and things like that. It is clearly weaker than all those other cartridges. But I have been at a range when this happened in front of people we were teaching, and I've heard of it happening just before that with the same guys, shooting at a mile with 300 normal, which everyone thinks is the coolest new special operations sniper long-range round. I hate it. And one of the reasons I don't like it is we're shooting at a plywood piece of steel size steel target of the mile, and we couldn't hit it over and over and over 300 normal. We finally drove down there to see, and we had multiple sideways impacts of the bullet oh, in the steel, wow. which meant the bullet was tumbling. It wasn't making it. This, this amazing right. 300, you know, 300 normal round. And I said, let's share the 300 PRC. We downgraded in power. 300 PRC, just like a laser beam, every person out there, brand new shooters are hitting the mile. I've had uh, a chef who's a friend of mine now at Quinlan Ranch, where I go, love to go elk hunt. Um, he loves the 300 PRC now because we had him five for five in 45 seconds on the mile target. Bang, reload, bang, reload, bang. Just ding, ding, ding. And it's softer recoil than these big cartridges. It's a smaller action. That 300 Norma needs this extra large, huge action. So it's a lighter gun to carry. Um, it's effectively the power of about 120% of a 300 Win Mag. That's what I call it. And With so, a lot more distance. More efficient bullets, better design, more case efficiency, just win, win, win all the way down. <laughs> I really think it should have been called the 300 Creedmoor, and that would better explain to people what it is. Do you know Seth Swersick at Hornady? No. Mm -mm. Okay. Um, he, he spent four years in there on their ballistic side at Hornady. I spoke with him at SHOT Show for about 15, 20 minutes. Excuse me. Hold on a second here. Mm -hmm. And uh, we talked about their Doppler radar. I'm having him on in a couple more days, and we're going to go a much longer episode. But uh, it, 
it's funny you talked about how the bullet was tumbling because we talked about their Doppler radar and how they can get data every foot out to 2,000 yards. Oh, yeah. Hornady's um, software is what I recommend now for most beginners. So if you want to use long-range shooting software, that Fordoff, because um, they're the only ones I know of that have a theoretical view of what the bullet should do and then went out with Doppler radar at extreme distances and measured it. So when you're looking at the Fordoff and getting what that bullet should do, it's actually what it did do. So it's been pretty darn accurate. It misses some of the more advanced features that I think some things need. And if you're not using Horn of the Ammo, it doesn't work. But it's a great app for if you're using Horn of the Ammo. And yeah, so those are my two cartridges. If I could have only my rifles and those cartridges, I would. 300 PRC is big enough to take anything in North America. You know, I'd have no problem going after Bear, you know, with 300 PRC. Um, And then 6.5 Creedmoor is my light recoiling long range. So those are my two cartridges. Now... I'm a little older than you, so maybe my memory fails me. But didn't you shoot 6.5 Creed in Africa? I did. I took everything I so. in Africa I took with a 6.5 Creed more. Mm-hmm. And what were those? Um, they were Planes game. So uh, Wildebeest, um, out of the group, okay. not necessarily for me. So we did Wildebeest, Gemsbach, Kudu, Impala, Warthogs, all with 6.5 okay. Creed more. Mm-hmm. And the 6.5, no problem with the, on the um, Warthogs? Oh, no, arguably better performance than I've seen out of hunting. My last three elk I've shot the 6.5 Creedmoor. Okay. My daughter now has, has taken two elk, both the 6.5 Creedmoor. She's actually getting to the age now where she's starting to talk a little bit of smack at hunting camp, which I've had to, <laughs> I've had to have her back off a little bit because she, she forgets sometimes she's a kid and adults still are adults. Um, yeah, so her last two elk she shot, they fell over dead. I mean, she shot a cow in November, 6.5 Creedmoor. And it maybe made it 10 inches, took a stutter step forward and just fell straight over and big, you know, death rattle exhale. She double lunged it, dead. And then we get back to camp and there's a guy telling a story how he shot a 300 wind mag six times at his bull because he had to, he had to hit it six times to take it down because it was a bad shot. Wow. Elk ran, took another bad shot, you know, shot it in the butt, things wounded, shoots it again, doesn't go down, shoots six shots. And so I saw Alice get up from the dinner table and she's walking over. She's listening to the story. I'm like, oh, she better not say anything. And sure enough, she gets done. She's like, wow, it took six times to get the elk down. Dad, how many shots did my elk take? Out loud, like just waiting for me to answer. I'm like, you get, come here. Come here. We don't do that. No, no bragging that you got yours in one. So 6.5 Creedmoor is plenty for elk, plenty for all those planes game, if you hit it where you need to hit it. Right. I mean, a 2.2.3 green tip will kill an elk. If you hit it in the heart shot placement. Yeah. Right. So I'm not saying that you should shot six five Creedmoor for elk, nor am I even saying it's suitable for elk. I'm saying it's what I use. It's what my daughter uses. Um, because we put the bullets where they need to go so far. I've made bad shots before I've made bad shots recently. It happens. But in Africa, every shot, every animal I had was a one shot drop. Um, the longest one animal went was 40 yards. It was my wildebeest. I shot and it took off. And I was cursing myself as I was running up to where I shot it to see what happened. Going, oh, I knew I shouldn't have taken that shot. And stupid 6.5 Creedmoor, it's not enough power. What am I doing? Because I, I don't ever want to see an animal suffer. I love hunting, but right. if I see an animal suffer, it ruins at least my day. And I'm like, that, ah, nah, 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 you know, all the way up. And I get up to where it shot, and you look over, and 40 yards away, there was a nose line, like drug in the dirt. It was just dead. And I shot it straight on facing me, you know, through the chest. I'm like, oh, well, I guess that works. And then each animal after that, you know, like I said, we're shooting these huge animals on 6.5 Creedmoor, and I don't think any of us had to take a second shot. I think they all died with one hit. 
but I happened to go with a bunch of good shooters and we happened to have the circumstances allowed good shots. That's pretty good. Now, what would you, would you go bigger game then if you could, uh, if you went back with a PRC, 300 PRC? No, I wouldn't. 300 PRC doesn't give me any extra that the 65 Creedmoor doesn't until we get to dangerous game. In dangerous game, I'm a minimum 300 H and H. I even think it's, you know, I, I'm or bigger. If I'm shooting a Cape Buffalo, 300 PRC is not enough. Huh? I've taken a right. Bison with a 300 PRC from about five feet because that, <laughs> that's that's the hunt I learned that Bison aren't hunting. So don't let anyone lie to you if they went Bison hunting if they call it a hunt. Bison hunting is the same as hunting cattle. You oh, walk up wow. to them. You walk up to them. They look at you. You say hi. You decide which one you're going to shoot. You kind of go wow. like this and shoot it, and it falls over. So, I mean, sure, if you walked up to it or drove up to it, they might trot off like a herd of cattle. But, it, but I think it's exactly the same as if I if I challenged you to go shoot a cow. You go, okay. I think it's, that's what a bison hunt was for me. So, sorry, everyone out there. I just offended with that. but um, <laughs> You just ruined their day. I, I, yeah, I shot a bison. I couldn't find where to shoot in the scope. The scope was too powerful. All I saw was fur. I was looking for a spot five feet away from him. Like, well, this isn't going to work. So I just stared at the spot and picked up the rifle like an AR and just point shot it. So anyway, wow. yeah, I've shot a bison three PRC, but in Africa, <laughs> I would, I, I'll, I would do six five Creedmoor for everything again, except for the dangerous game, and then I would have a bit okay. a real big boy cartridge. Right, and an, the quote unquote elephant gun. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, now Caramojo Bell. I don't know if you guys know that name or recognize that name. Uh-uh. He was. If you Google him, he'll come up everywhere. Super. Super famous once you look that direction. Old time, old times, like Hemingway times, hunting in Africa. Oh, wow. I'm going to misstate it. I think it was thousands of elephants he's killed. Oof. And all of them worth a 6.5. What? Yep, go look it up. Not a 6.5 Creedmoor, because the Creedmoor didn't exist, but it was around that right. was effectively, I think it was even a little bit less powerful than 6.5 Creedmoor, if memory serves me right, power-wise. It's like a 6.5 Swede. Shot them all in the brain. He figured okay. out how to hit, kill him, shot him in the head of the 6.5 bullet, and they dropped dead. So there's something to be wow. said for 6.5. The rest of the world figured it out long before we did. Right. right. Well, at least we improved the bullet technology for it. Correct. Well, actually, we and the other thing that. is in Africa, the bullets I shot were old bullets. I don't shoot with the fancy bonded. I, I'm against those for hunting, actually. My favorite bullets are the ones that break apart immediately. That whole retained weight, I think, is a myth. Okay. I think it's, I think it's marketing hype. I want a bullet to go in about a foot and explode, right? I want it to cause as much damage as it can. This retained weight thing, I think, is absolutely wrong. So I shoot only burger hunting bullets or the S&B soft points because they're accurate. They go right in the middle of the kill zone and just explode the heart and the lungs, and the animal's dead. And every time I feel like I've shot with these ultra-bonded, ultra-cool, great hunting bullets, Evel's retained weight, the bullet either goes sizzling right through it or it doesn't do anything better for me. So you want all of the energy transmitted within a foot and be done? A uh, foot, I probably overstated it, but yes. I want the energy uh, transferred roughly. into the vitals. Yeah. Now, that also okay. means I'm not taking a 300-yard shot at an elk quartering away from me across the canyon because my bullet's going to go into its butt and not even make it to its vitals. In that case, I would need a bigger cartridge that has a, a stronger bullet. So you can't have everything. But the right. more elk guides I talk to, the more professional hunters I talk to, the more we realize, yeah, the most effective overall, given all things, is a bullet that breaks apart, not a bullet that stays together. 
And so in Africa, I brought one box of that soft point SNB to make my friend happy because my friend works for SNB and was going on the hunt with us. I'm like, well, I got to bring this ammo, right? But I snuck a bunch of the trophy bonded like 6.5 Creedmoor ammo in my bag also because I was like, I'll try this. And then when it doesn't work, I'll just switch to the other stuff. That soft point stuff works so well that that's all we shot. It was amazing. And uh-huh. I'm, I'm big on necropsy. I like, I'm big on when I, I kill an animal, I dig in there and find the bullet, see what the bullet did and learn about it. And seeing the damage those things do is just amazing. So when you, when you make those trips, obviously you're shooting your gun over here. Um, are you trying to confirm anything when you get over there? Definitely. I don't know what the baggage handlers did to my gun. I always want a okay. chance to shoot at least one bullet at a hundred yards. Give me a hundred yard target. Let me shoot. And as long as I'm within a couple inches of that, I'll be fine. Okay. So, um, Chris was, uh, asking if I asked you about top shot and your thousand yard shot with a Barrett. <laughs> no, no, we didn't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> top shot was cool. It was a neat opportunity. They called me and asked me to go out and do that. So I did that for a couple of seasons. That's where I got to meet Colby Donaldson's turned into a great friend and oh, go out okay. to his property every so often and stay connected about kids and stuff like that. And matter of fact, that thousand yard shot with the Barrett was at Kobe's ranch. Um, because of, we met each other from top shot. And then that's also where I met Brian James from Barrett. He was out there and he and I have become great friends now too. So it's just neat how the industry works. Um, that with the Barrett was just because, uh, the Barrett I think is, is miss the Barrett M82 is misapplied as a sniper rifle. It's, it's a correct, it's the greatest way to shoot a 50 caliber bullet from the shoulder. That's what it's good for. So great against vehicles. I mean, it could be against people too, but it's just not the whole barrel moves in and out of the gun like a pogo stick by design right. for the recoil. You can't tell me that's accurate. The barrel's moving. It's not. It's firing, right? Um, and so I think it get, got a bad rap for me in the military because it was given to us as a sniper rifle and the people that were making the decisions that weren't actually shooting and carrying it thought it was the coolest thing ever and tried to get it employed as a sniper rifle. That said, I now love the bear MRAD. It took me a while to warm up to the MRAD because that thing looked like a, a blocky two by six from Home Depot. Like it just didn't look like what I'm used to a sexy sniper rifle with, looking like. With grooves cut in it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what is yeah. this? And now that I shoot it, oh, I, I'm a big fan of running the bolt very quickly on a gun, getting back, getting the gun back in the fight and getting ready to shoot again. And I can actually run the bolt just as fast or faster on that MRAD now as anything else. So now my long range gun go-to is one of those MRADs. But anyway, the M82, students were shooting at a thousand yard, you know, Ipsic silhouette, steel target, you know, at a thousand yards and just left, right, left, right, up, down, left, right, all around it. And they're getting very frustrated and they're getting headaches because they're shooting a bunch of the 50 cal rounds. I'm trying to explain to them, guys, one, this gun is not going to hit an Ipsic at a thousand yards every time. It doesn't matter if you bolted it down. It's just not. But second, you guys are afraid of it. You know, shooting is just focusing on the reticle and applying steady pressure to the trigger. That's it. Everything else works out. And so they had a camera crew out there. And to goof around, I went to pick it up to shoot it standing. And I even said on the on film, I'm like, I'm not going to hit it. I'm just goofing around. You don't want this on film. That's because they were doing a promo video. I said, you don't want this in the promo video. I said, yeah, we do. I said, okay, well, I'm just going to shoot. I'm not going to hit it, but I'll try. And picked up the rifle and shot it. And according to the reaction of everyone that was there watching, I hit it. I didn't see if I hit it. I can't, I'm shocked that I hit it walked over to Kobe on the video and had to even lean over and go, did I actually hit it? And he goes, Oh yeah. Cause everyone was on spotting scopes and watching it. And so the only tough part about that shot was acting like I meant to do it. It wasn't actually doing it. And then telling everyone forever from here on out, no, I'm not going to try that again. 
Yeah, you don't want to ruin that moment. Correct. That that's why I say my greatest claim to fame with the Barrett is an offhand shot at two thousand yards on one of the ranges at Quantico, one shot, and I hit a tank almost exactly where I was aiming. That's impressive. That's that's probably about the same. And I had to hold the horizontal horizontal line on the reticle at the top of the tree line. That's where I held. Oh wow. Well good for you. So it was completely swag. And I was like, I'm going to guess here. This is where I'm putting it. And when it, we were shooting, so as I put in the email, it was me and another guy who went to Aberdeen. Okay. And we used we used Greek Ralphus to set that's, that's the cam. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we used that to set the cam on the Unertal scope for the Barrett. Oh, that's right. You guys, Marines, love those Unertals. We did. Now you could literally pound a nail in a desk with those things. So they're Marine proof Mm -hmm. for the most part. But, um, so the cam was set from 300 yards to 1800 yards on that thing using Greek Ralphus. And the nice thing was, I know why you couldn't see the impact because when you're standing, the recoil with an M82A1 is just (laughs) rocking you back. Mm -hmm. Um, even though you're bigger, it's still going to rock you back a little bit. But I was able to go with the recoil, come back down, take it off my shoulder, and then see the Ralphus oh, go cool. off right on that target. So I the same thing. I put it down like I'm never taking that shot again because that's, that's never going to happen again. And I will say the one thing, the Marine Corps is horrible about getting stuff right the first time. And um, I'll, I'll let you go here just real quick. Um, we called it a special application snow, uh, scope rifle. Mm-hmm. So it was never designed as Good. a sniper That's rifle. That's what it is. It's so, a great, yeah. great for its job. It goes, oh, here we go. Full circle again. What's the purpose? What's it for? Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, Ryan, I know you got to go. Sorry. We kept you so long. It's no a great conversation. Fun, Appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Take care, everybody. All right. Take care. Until next time. Don't be a little bitch. Yeah.